Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we round out our positional previews by talking about the most important position on the field. Guys, do you remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. Blue Chew, that's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as the pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants that extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. For instance, you know, a lot of guys talk a big game, but if you're a one-and-done kind of guy, Blue Chew can even help you get to round number two. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for all our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code Locked On. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code Locked On, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to try Blue Chew for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. David, we have reached the end of our positional previews and save the best for last because we're talking about the most important position on the field today, quarterbacks. I almost said punters there just to see where your reaction would be. Um, punters are people too. I suppose. I just wish that we had signed Pat McAfee because how entertaining would our team be? I mean, he's a punter. So like, unless I guess if you played his podcast episode in the background while watching him punt, it might've been entertaining. You got to admit though, he was like the best punter in football his entire career. When, when he suited up, he was the best punter in football. Sure. I'll, I'll concede that argument without even thinking about it. Yeah, he started kicking footballs again. Like he's starting to get the itch, but he wants to come back as a kicker, not a punter. Dude can boot it from like seventy. So I um I support Bucks, his dream. The Bucks have had kicker problems. I'm just saying. Anyway, we're here to talk about quarterbacks. So uh let's let's just dive right in, man. I mean, it's it's a it's a position that a lot of people are confident in. There's uh a a solid group of people that are not confident in the abilities of the Buccaneers quarterback. So why don't you tell me, how do you feel about Josh Freeman? About Josh Freeman? I feel Mike, great about Josh Freeman. Mike Glennon? Mike Glennon. I actually liked Mike Glennon. Chris Sims. Thank you very much. Chris Sims? Chris is a great guy. Very nice person. He was a very nice person. Mm-hmm. Ryan he is a very nice person. I mean, he's not gone. 
Well, I, I meant he was very, I, I guess, yeah, he was very nice when I had the opportunity to interact with him, I guess is what I meant. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick. No, no problems there. A plus celebration game. Ah, yeah, I'll give you that. All right. For real though, Jameis Winston. I mean, there's, this is, this is it. This is the make or break year for Jameis Winston. We've heard it from people close to the team. Like he has to show that he is worthy of this second contract. He has to show that he is the player that they thought that they drafted when they took him number one overall, or he's not going to get that big quarterback money. Now I would make the argument that if Jameis performs along the same lines of what we have seen through the first four years of his career, he'll probably get franchise tagged and get, get one more shot at this. That, that would be my personal belief because if he performs at that level, you're not drafting high enough to draft a new quarterback. You're not going to be in that position. So you're also not going to explore the free agent market and overpay for somebody like a Nick Foles or a Kirk Cousins. Like the money that we've seen thrown at them is obscene. So yes, it's a make or break year in terms of giving Winston the multi-year big money extension. But I think if, if he has another season like he has the past few years, which isn't bad, it's just not good enough for what the Bucks thought they were drafting. I think we could see a franchise tag in Jameis's future. Like, look, this is you're hanging by a thread. You got to show us something, or we're going to shut you down and tank and and take a quarterback, you know, in the top five. Right. So the thing about Jameis Winston is Jameis Winston is a victim of his own circumstances when it comes to expectations in his career and in this season. He's a number one overall pick. He's the very first pick in the 2015 NFL draft. Literally nobody got selected to play pro football that year before he did. Um, If you line up every collegiate football player on the face of the planet who was eligible for the NFL draft, he is the first kid taken off the wall. That That means a fact. And when you're a franchise like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they very much thought they're they're drafting a franchise quarterback. And we've had this conversation in the past of what is a franchise quarterback. Well, when you draft a guy who's a Heisman Trophy winner, national championship winning quarterback with the personality that Jameis has, with the smile that Jameis has, with the number one overall pick, you're drafting a franchise quarterback who is a guy that you can throw your team on to the shoulders of and he will carry you to Super Bowl land. That's who they drafted when they drafted Jameis Winston. That's why this situation is the, the way it is. And that that's what I honestly believe because we've had this discussion before. Joe Flacco was a franchise quarterback for a really long time with the Baltimore Ravens. However, when the Baltimore Ravens drafted Joe Flacco to be his their franchise quarterback, what they needed in a franchise quarterback was a guy who wasn't going to lose them ball games and was going to let the defense be the star of the show. And that's exactly what Joe Flacco was. Now the Baltimore Ravens need a playmaker who's going to help them win some games, which is why Joe Flacco is no longer a Baltimore Raven, which is why he's no longer a franchise quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. That's that's really what it boils down to. It's There, there are different terminologies or different definitions of what a franchise quarterback really is. But when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers drafted Jameis Winston to be the franchise quarterback, the kind of franchise quarterback they were looking for was the climb on me, let me show you how to get there quarterback, and they haven't gotten there. 
Now, there, there are a lot of reasons for that. And I don't want to get too much onto a soapbox, but everybody, I mean, if you've, if you've watched the Buccaneers play football, then you know the struggles this team has had rest just as much with the defense as they do with Jameis Winston. They rest almost as much as they do on the running game as they do with Jameis Winston. And I only say almost as much because, again, the Buccaneers have drafted Jameis Winston to be the superhero franchise quarterback that Tom Brady is in New England. Guess how many marquee running backs Tom Brady has played with? None. Not a single one. Who? I don't know. Would you consider Corey Dillon marquee? No, not at all. Really? Really? I mean, at one point, he was one of the better running backs in the NFL. New England Patriot Corey Dillon? No, not not even in the okay, site. Like Arizona fair. Cardinals Emmitt Smith. You know what I mean? Like his uh, name not, all right, let, gained let's, more let's yards than his, than his legs did. Let, let's not insult him. That <laughs> I mean, but you Corey understand Dillon what I'm was saying. still a 1,000-yard rusher in, in New England, I think, right, for right, one right. year. Okay, I apologize for the disrespect to your Cincinnati Bengals. Great. How so, but you, you? But you understand what I'm saying here. <laughs> and, and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. You know, the Buccaneers drafted Jameis Winston to be Tom Brady. You can't draft somebody expecting them to be the GOAT as a franchise. You can as a media. You can as, as the fan. Like, you can draft LeBron James and, or, uh, and, and put him in Cleveland expecting him to be equal to or greater than Michael Jordan as a fan. But you can't, if you're, if you're the coach, if you're the manager of the team or whatever, you can't expect to draft better than Michael Jordan. So I, so I use the Tom Brady comparison, but I only use it because, again, Aaron Rodgers. How many marquee running backs has he played with in his career? Nuns. You know what I mean? Like there have been some good ones. There have been some, some decent ones. Don't get me wrong. But you're talking about quarterbacks. When you when you look at what the Buccaneers wanted to draft in Jameis Winston, they wanted to draft a Tom Brady-esque type of quarterback, an Aaron Rodgers type of quarterback, a Phillip Rivers type of quarterback, a quarterback that just because he's on your roster, you're a playoff contender. And the truth of the matter is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, even with Jameis Winston on their roster, have not been playoff contenders. That is why there's as much pressure on Jameis Winston as there is this year is because that's what he was drafted to do. Uh, That's who he was drafted to be. And whether the defense has struggled more than anything, whether there's been a running game or not, it doesn't matter in this circumstance because that's who he was drafted to be. That was that was a good that was a good run. I enjoyed that. I appreciate it, and I have more, but I've been talking for a long time, so I want to pause and allow you to get in a word in edgewise. Um, yeah, so go ahead. There's definitely a, a ton of pressure on him. As you pointed out, yeah, as much pressure as there is on Jameis, there's just as much on the defense. There's just as much on Todd Bowles. There's just as much on Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians is coming into this team. He was hired in the same light that Jameis was drafted, to be the savior of a franchise. So there's plenty of pressure to be passed around, but the spotlight's going to be on Jameis because he was the number one overall pick because he does have a, whether whether you're, you're on his side or not, he has a tarnished reputation that he has to overcome. These, these things have mounted and built for the last six years going back to Florida state. So all of that pressure is coming to a head this season. It is make or break time. There are people that hate the general manager and want him out. There are people that don't believe that Jameis Winston is a playoff caliber quarterback. There are some people that I saw, you know, you saw it too on Twitter saying that he's not even a starting caliber quarterback, let alone a playoff caliber quarterback. 
you know, all of this pressure is coming to a head and it's all going to fall on the shoulders of Jameis because he is the quarterback, because he was the number one pick because of the quarterback market that we've seen and how much money they're supposed to get paid and his constant comparisons to, to Marcus Mariota. All of this is why he's under the microscope. But he's now in a position and, and again, as you pointed out, the defense has struggled. The running game has struggled. The offensive line has struggled. It's not all on him, but quarterbacks get too much of the credit when they win. Quarterbacks get too much of the blame when a team loses. You know, all of that. He now has a coaching staff. And, and I know I put a lot of, of, of emphasis on this, but it's the God's honest truth. Coaching matters. You can't just put people you know, and as the head coach and let them build these staffs with their, you know, a lot of times with, with just their buddies who are unproven. You can't bring in a, a guy from a rival team and make him your offensive coordinator. And after one year of decent offensive production, turn him into your head coach, his first job as a head coach in the NFL and expect everything to be fixed. It doesn't work that way. This team has not had a legitimate proven head coach since John Gruden. We've said it over and over and over. They haven't had a true competent offensive coordinator in a decade. So you have a coaching staff with a pedigree, with a proven track record of success in the NFL and putting those kinds of minds and brains and experience around Jameis is going to help. Having Bruce Arians figure out what what Jameis's tells and and and, and ticks are that you know like like we've talked about before with Peyton Manning, he he would notice that Peyton was too inside of his head, so he would talk about his footwork, and then Peyton would focus on that and and be fine. You know, with Ben Roethlisberger, he gave Ben Roethlisberger the the play calling control. And he would sit down and have meetings with him and go over game planning scripts. And he wanted Ben to implement the offense himself to make him a part of it. That was what made him tick. With Andrew Luck, it was just allowing him to use his brain and use his arm. Mm-hmm. You know, every every quarterback that Arians has worked with, and for those that have, have read or listened to the quarterback whisperer, they know this. He figures out what it is that they're weak in mentally and what they're strong in and he focuses on the strengths to distract them from worrying about the weaknesses and it's worked yeah that's what's important right now and that's what we're going to see happen with Jameis. there are still going to be some growing pains it's not going to be a you know five and oh start and this just you know, immediate MVP talk. They're going to have to get into a groove and begin to trust one another. You can't build that in one off season with a couple of weeks of OTAs and then NFL PA and, and, and uh, CBA mandated training camp hours. It's not going to work. They have to learn to trust each other within the game. And it's going to take a little bit of time. I still believe this team is talented enough and they have the right people in place to go 500 or better, but it's going to fall on Jameis and how quickly he can trust Bruce to make the right decisions and how quickly Bruce can trust Jameis to take over a game. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I think it just—it's all mental. I don't think any of it has anything to do with any physical capabilities or limitations with Jameis Winston. I think every single bit of it is mental, and that's really—you know—we've got a lot of training camp. We've got preseason still to come, so uh, perceptions and beliefs and, and predictions could also could always change before we get to the regular season. But I really think the key thing to to look at as far as Jameis Winston's future with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers um, is going to be. Uh, turnovers and I don't mean just turnovers period I mean bad turnovers because and again this is something that many everybody who's talked football has talked about this type of topic I'm sure at some point in time you've got good turnovers you've got bad turnovers and, and I don't want to say good turnovers you got turnovers that don't matter and you've got turnovers that matter a whole lot if it's third and 12 from the 48 and you throw an interception down to the opponent too um, and then you know looking at the play there wasn't anything else available da, 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 it basically wasn't going to work no matter what, so you took your best shot that you had and it just didn't work out. The opponent has the ball on their own two-yard line. Okay, I don't care. Look, I'm not, as far as grades are concerned, as far as plus minuses are concerned, I'm not giving you a negative there. I'm pretty much just going to call that a wash because if the play was busted from the jump, there's there's really nothing to salvage there. Um, I don't know what are the chances our punter is going to pin them on the two-yard line. Now we don't even have to worry about it. Move on with your life. Let's go. Pat McAfee um, could. But if you're, yeah, probably. <laughs> but if you're inside the red zone, and it's a 10-point game in the middle of the third quarter, and you throw an interception. That's terrible, and you can't do that. And Jameis has had some of both. He's had some really bad turnovers, some head-scratching turnovers, or the same turnovers that cause you to say, no, 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 all the way up until the point Mike Evans catches a, what, 50, 56, 46-yard pass against Chicago Bears, and you say, yes. You know what I mean? There has to be more moments where you don't sit there and internally start screaming no inside your own head when you watch Seamus Winston play. We've compared him to Brett Favre. A lot of people have compared him to Brett Favre. Here's the difference. Brett Favre has had success. Brett Favre, he had, it Brett early. Favre had success. Exactly. Earlier in his career than Seamus Winston. Again, Seamus Winston's very young. We talked about this during one of our throwback episodes. Like He's not even as old as Eli Manning was when Eli won his first playoff game. So he's still relatively very young. But if you're going to play the style of football that Brett Favre plays and you're going to play it consistently, you've got to have some results. You've got to have some success because even guys like me who really want Jameis Winston to to pan out, who really want to see this investment that they put into him pan out, and I want to see Jameis Winston hoist the Super Bowl trophy someday with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm not even saying this year, next year, even the next three years. It might take five more years. But – and this is what we talked about with Paige a little bit. There's got to be growth there. And there has been growth, but there's got to be more. There's got to be a maturity where you can still be a gunslinger who finds ways to make amazing plays without finding ways to make the really dumb plays. Um, not necessarily all the time, but again, you can take, you know, I mean, you can take a really head scratching interception early in the first quarter in a 0-0-3-0 game, something like that. You can't take that in the middle of the third in a 10-point game. You just can't. That's not the kind of a quarterback that you need. Because when you when you talk about whether or not Jameis Winston is going to end up being a bust or not, it's really not, again, about his individual accomplishments. Again, he was drafted number one overall not to be a really good individual player. He was drafted to take his team to the next level. Jameis Winston threw for almost 3,000 yards last year, played barely over 66% of the games in the season. There are quarterbacks who struggled to hit 3,000 yards in an entire year. So the question of whether or not Jameis Winston is physically capable of being a quarterback in the NFL isn't up to debate. 
he is physically capable of being an NFL in the, in the, in, or a quarterback in the National Football League. Make no mistake about it. The question we're asking this year, the question that needs to be answered this year, is can he be the franchise quarterback the Buccaneers brought him in to be? Which is why I disagree with one of the things you just said. I think uh, there's zero pressure on Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians was brought in to see if Jameis Winston could elevate his game with excellent coaching. Like if at the end of the year, if if Jameis Winston, if this is his last season as a Buccaneers quarterback, then you can pretty much bet that this season went horribly wrong. They're definitely not in the playoffs, and it just it just isn't working. At the end of the day, nobody's gonna look back and say Bruce Arians didn't get it done. What they're gonna say is not even Bruce Arians could get it out of Jameis Winston. That's what's gonna happen. There's zero pressure on Jameis Winston. I don't think there's any pressure on Todd Bowles. Like the only way Todd Bowles is gonna come out of this season, uh with a with a black mark on his record is if this defense somehow gets worse. And I just don't see how that's even possible, how this defense could possibly get worse than they were last year. So I don't even really think there's there's a whole lot of pressure there. Byron Leftwich, maybe, because a lot of people, because a lot of people haven't been talking about it, but more and more, including us, more and more people are talking about the fact that Byron Leftwich is running this offense. So if it doesn't go well in the early on, in the early stages, and Bruce takes control, then it, it looks bad for Byron. If it doesn't go well with Jameis, it might turn a little bit towards Byron. But even as much as it might turn on Byron, the pressure is all on Jameis. Like all of the pressure is on James. Mike Evans, zero pressure, no pressure whatsoever. Levante David, none. De- Devin White, nothing. Vita Vea, no pressure. Like Chris Godwin, no pressure. There is no pressure on anybody on this roster than Jameis Winston. It's all on him. Um, and again, whether people think it's fair or not, it's the situation of it. You know, um, he he played his childhood. He went to camps. He played through college. He 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 made strides. He put in all of his effort, his practices, preparing his mentality, his efforts on the field to being the best player in college football. And he was. He won a Heisman Trophy. And then he wanted to be the best player drafted in the National Football League. He wanted to be the number one overall pick. And he was. He was the very first player taken, which is a dream come true. And he sat at home with his family, celebrated the dream, wore the hat, put on the smile, moved to Tampa, put in all the work, bought the house, built the family. He's done everything right that he's had to do as far as dedication and effort, the results haven't been there. And that's why the pressure's all on him. If this thing blows up and Jameis Winston isn't the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers next year, the only person walking out of the 2019 season with blame on their head is Jameis Winston. And maybe a little bit of doubt in Byron Leftwich. But nobody's going to blame Byron. They're just going to be like, nah, maybe Byron wasn't ready for that much responsibility. That's the worst case scenario is maybe Byron, Byron wasn't ready. That's, that's the worst case scenario for Byron. Other than that, everybody else is coming out smelling roses as far as I'm concerned. Now, obviously, I mean, there are what-ifs in the, in the National Football League, of course, and in football, that could that could turn the tide on that. But from where we stand today, I don't see how if this season doesn't turn out successful that it falls at anybody's feet other than Jameis Winston from a football operations standpoint. Obviously, general manager Jason Light uh, will take a, a big chunk of that as well. Um, but as far as X's and O's responsibility, that's that's how I feel. I, I think we're going to agree to disagree on that one. And and I don't mean that there's pressure on Bruce from within the building. I mean, there there is. There, just like there's pressure on any head coach in the NFL. I meant the pressure is more from the outside looking in. This team has lost too much for too long for another losing season to not have some blowback against the head coach. 
And it, it may not even be Bruce's fault, but people are going to look to blame. I mean, who are the two people that are blamed the most often? The quarterback and the head coach. Yep. If this season doesn't go well, those are the two that are going to get ripped to shreds. In the See, court I of public I, opinion. I mean, there are already people drafting or uh, doubting Bruce Aarons. There are already people who say he's too old. He's, you know, he was away for the game for a year. You know, like the Arizona Cardinals didn't do very well without him. Look at how he left him, so on and so forth. We've already heard those complaints. I just think on it, when you're talking on a grand scale, I don't think that Bruce is going to come out as bruised from a, a, a failed venture here uh, oh, no, as no. And then Jason, Jameis Winston is. Um, no, I'll agree with that for sure. Yeah. Um, but there's something interesting about Jameis Winston's story because typically speaking, and I think this kind of is another thing that feeds into the situation that he, he faces this year. Typically speaking, quarterbacks that struggle, especially young quarterbacks that struggle, first thing everybody looks for is the changes in coaches, the changes in schemes. James Winston hasn't had that. Even though he, you know, this is his third head coach, granted, the, he he worked side-by-side side with Dirk Cutter in his rookie year to get the offense down. The offense was Dirk Cutter's offense. And then Dirk Cutter became the head coach. He's only had, this is his first scheme change. And it's just kind of ironic to me and just kind of interesting, an interesting part of this dynamic to think that the fact that that Jameis Winston has had a consistent NFL offense to work and try to grow in has actually hurt him. Um, Cause you, you talked about that, you know, about how being under dirt cutter has might've actually stifled some of his growth. The, the lack of control he had on the field, the ability to change plays, make reads and, and be able to react to them. Uh, Not to mention just some, some of the worst play designs we have ever yeah, seen. Exactly. Because I, I think back to Alex Smith, cause Alex <clears> Smith <throat> went through a similar stage in his career where he was being considered a bus or he was being labeled a bus. People were questioning whether he even should have been drafted as high as he was. Mm-hmm. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. But in his first, I want to say five years, he had five different offensive coordinators and different coaches. Like, how can you expect a quarterback to get comfortable in such a situation? Well, here we have the opposite situation where Jameis Winston has had the same offensive system, same offensive, you know, uh, mind uh, running things. Because I, I know Todd Munkin was the offensive coordinator, whatever. Let's let's not, you know, let's not play games here. Dirk Cutter ran that offense. Yeah, um, we're not kidding ourselves. Yeah. So it's just it's just ironic that so many quarterbacks out there would say, man, if I only had the same offense to learn and grow in and develop with for the first five years of my career, what, how great could I have been? But I know James Winston is like, man, if only, I don't know, like if only Bruce Arians had left Arizona two years ago and, and the, and the bucks brought him in, then imagine where James Winston might be now. Like it's, it's, a, it's, but it shows just how different the game of football is and how unfair maybe sometimes it is. And how at the end of the day in this business, fair doesn't really matter a whole hell of a lot. Uh, this isn't about what's fair and what's not fair. But what's interesting, though, James, I wanted to I wanted to get fit this in while we could. Uh, our buddy J.C. Cornell, uh, founder and CEO of the Draft Network, of course, um, he sent out a tweet not too long before we started recording. Have you seen it yet? Uh, I have not. So he tweeted. I saw it was interesting because here we are. We're about to talk about quarterbacks, which of course means Jameis Winston. And this is what he tweeted: biggest year of Jameis Winston's career ahead with the Bucks. He has all the weapons, and now Bruce Arians coaching him. Bulls should get the defense playing inspired football under Devin White's leadership, something Jameis has never had. Playoffs are bust. Go Bucks! And he's 100% right. That's exactly what we're talking about. Like, And this isn't JC predicting. I mean, he does have confidence in, in what Jameis Winston might, is going to do this year. Don't get me wrong. But that tweet isn't necessarily predicting success. It's saying 
this is the year Jameis Winston, kind of what we're talking about. Jameis Winston doesn't have any more passes. There's no more excuses. There's no more. And I'm not saying he's the one even making them, but nobody else is going to make them for him. Real quick, I mean, do you do you want to touch on Jameis's future before we move on to uh, a couple of the other quarterbacks? Because there are more than one. Yeah. And this is supposed to be <laughs> there. A Wait a second. <laughs> this is supposed to be a position preview, not a uh, Jameis Winston soapbox episode. Yeah, but I mean, I think everybody we should pretty much have expected you know Jameis to take up the, the well, majority yeah. of the show. Are we going to see a repeat of what Cutter has done the past few years? Is is Ryan Griffin going to make this fifty three man roster and they're going to carry three quarterbacks again? I don't think so. Um, I'm very interested. I don't know what Bruce Arians' history is to be honest with you with this quarterback depth, uh, which would probably help a lot. But I, I really don't have any predictions for Ryan Griffin or or Blaine Gabbert until we see Nick Fitzgerald, Nick Fitzgerald in action. Okay. Yeah, well, and, and of course, the the only thing that I have to really add is, of course, Griffin is familiar with a lot of the guys that's going to help him out. Um, and then Blaine Gabbard is familiar with Bruce and what what Bruce's offense looks like. I, I don't know if there was any crossover with uh, Gabbard and Leftwich in Arizona as far as when Leftwich was getting his start coaching. I'm, I'm not 100% sure on that. But, you know, Gabbard's going to be familiar with the system. He can help the other quarterbacks, you know, get the terminology down, all those kinds of things. So it'll be an interesting little mini battle to watch in, in training camp to see who's going to emerge as the number two quarterback. Yeah. And that's what, I mean, Nick fix Nick. Wow. I don't know. Why I can't say his name. Nick Fitzgerald. You better hope he doesn't make the team. If that's what you're going to keep doing to his name, <laughs> he's either a lot of, you know, copycat excitement, you know, because of whatever, what the saints did with Taysom Hill and all that, or he's got legit talent. And, I, and again, that's why, like, I think he's a dark horse here. Like, Ryan Griffin, obviously, people are going to want to kind of look at him as an automatic type of, of of pick. But you have to remember, this is a completely new staff. Um, nobody nobody on this coaching staff is tied to Ryan Griffin or married to Ryan Griffin the way that the old one was. So there's nothing that says that Ryan Griffin is necessarily going to stick around. Obviously, Jason Light has an affinity for him as well. But uh, it, it doesn't cost the Buccaneers all that much money to cut Ryan Griffin if need be. Um, Blaine Gabbert is a veteran. He only had the one year in Arizona, so I'm not really sure how much value that's going to bring. And we've kind of seen him on the field. It's not really something you want to hinge your, hit your wagon to. But again, I mean, just like most teams in the NFL, if your backup quarterback is in, you're, you're pretty much feeling screwed anyway. But yeah, uh, Fitzgerald, if he brings a wrinkle to this offense, if he brings some arm talent to the offense in the preseason and gets some snaps uh, and does well with them, I mean, you heard Bruce himself talk about they're looking for diamonds in the rough. And Nick Fitzgerald could be one of those diamonds. So, I mean, yeah, I think that the backup quarterback position, uh, honestly, without giving Ryan Griffin kind of the, the nod for familiarity is open. It's, it's open. So I have, I have really zero predictions for, for those three. I, I think if I could trade places with any one person on earth, it would be Ryan Griffin. Right? He's like the healthiest football player. He- they're at 30 this year and he's made millions. Yeah, he's living the dream. He shows up for work every day, never actually has to set foot on the field. So there's never any pressure on him. He's just raking in cash. He's living in Florida. Hey, that guy is my idol. <laughs> he, probably, he probably hates preseason. He's like, ah, why do we gotta do this, coach? We, we know where I'm going. <laughs> ah, crap. Got to go take snaps behind a 
offensive line that they signed out of the parking lot attendance. Anyway, overall left tackle. Oh, God. So, you know, I'm not even going to say it. Uh, David, anything else before we send people into their weekend? Uh, no, I think we've 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 successfully pretty much terrified every Jameis Winston supporter in Tampa. Probably. All right. Well, make sure that you're sending your pre-training camp superlative suggestions to David over at DH82 underscore bucks. Make sure you're giving us a call, sending us your voicemails to 813-444-5841. We have a jam-packed loaded week coming at you. We have some guests lined up as David and I are going to start talking a little fantasy football. Hmm. That's right. It's draft season. Can I make one observation before you get into the final roll now? Uh, yeah, sure. Did you listen to Evan and I when we did the wide receiver tight end preview? I did. So you remember the part where I said some of these guys don't even have their pictures up on the Buccaneers roster, so I hope they use that as a chip on their shoulder to make waves in training camp? Yes. Here's evidence that the Buccaneers listen to the Lockdown Bucks podcast. Do they all have pictures now? Almost every single one of them now have pictures up on the Buccaneers <laughs> Shout out to the Buccaneers. We thank you for listening. Of course, we do know that some people, you know, inside the facility listen to the show because they're on the show all the time. Hi, Carmen. Anyway, check out everything David and I are doing over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you're following along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Hope you all have an incredible weekend. I know I will. I'm super stoked to be going to a concert that I have waited 25 years to go see. I'll be there tomorrow night checking out Hootie and the Blowfish. Nine-year-old me has never been so excited about anything this entire life. Thank you all so much for joining us right here at Locked On Bucks. Yeah, I'm not in place,